Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the John Frisella Show here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. Now, let me bring in the man that ranks everything that could be ranked and discussed, John Frisella. You can find him at LegendSports7 on Twitter. How are you doing today, John? What's going on, my man, Wes? Happy to be back on the show. Uh, looking forward to talking tight ends today. It's been a hot topic of discussion on Twitter, so uh, certainly looking forward to that. I don't know what kind of Twitter sites you're looking at, but I haven't seen a lot of tight end action on my Twitter accounts lately. I don't know, John. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it's been the last maybe like week or two weeks or so. It's been picking up a little bit. But yeah, earlier on in the offseason, there was a lot of talk about running backs and wide receivers. And now the tight end stuff is starting to pick up. Yeah. Well, on the last episode, that I, th- I think we recorded it last week. We re- released it later on in the week, maybe Friday, Thursday, Friday. We had good reviews on our basketball podcast that we did. And, but I was asked one question. Why didn't we talk about Steph Curry? So can yeah. I get your thoughts on an amazing shooter who might be the driving force behind the NBA thinking about installing a four-point line? Yeah, I mean, the thing with Steph Curry is obviously he's out for the season, right? So I don't know how relevant he was to our discussion. I mean, we were talking top 50. I did have him on the list. I think I'm at, I had him at number 12 off the top of my head, but obviously he's not so relevant right now with the injury. As far as where does he stand, I mean, I do think he's the greatest shooter in the history of the NBA because there's a difference between guys that can stand still and shoot three-pointers, and then there's other guys that can come off a screen like a Reggie Miller type uh, that Steph Curry is, and he could shoot from any angle, any distance, and he could make it go down. So he's certainly the greatest shooter of all time. Um, I have him at 12 overall right now on the list. We'll see how he looks when he comes back. Obviously, he's an important guy for the league. He's a good role model. Very well liked by the kids. One of the most popular players in the world. So uh, hopefully he comes back strong and the Warriors can become relevant once again. Uh, there, there was a time when Wilt Chamberlain said that he thought he was the greatest NBA player of all time because they changed the rules to go against him instead of like complimenting him. You know, they, they like said no dunking after Wilt Chamberlain could dunk. And, and, and just because he was dominating, they, they changed that. I think well, I want to say they put the three point or the three second lane inside the court because Wilt Chamberlain was just dominating so much. Yeah. And here we see like them thinking again to change the rules because of Steph Curry, because he's almost revolutionized that outside shot. Yeah, he absolutely has. And that's true. They did. They added uh, three seconds in the key for Will Chamberlain to right. stop him from dunking on everybody and scoring 100 points in a single game, um, which he did. So that is true. But now I think the league has a better sense of the all-around landscape, right? Adam Silver and, and David Stern may rest in peace before that. They were always trying to expand the league and try to expand the appeal. And that being said, the kids these days like to shoot threes, and they see their heroes shooting threes, and they have a guy like Steph Curry at the forefront of the league and if he plays that type of style and some of the other stars do, obviously they want to open up the court and, and they've discussed it. I mean, we'll see if the four point thing happens. Obviously it wouldn't be within the next couple of years, but it could happen in the next five to 10 years. And Steph Curry might be the catalyst behind that. That'd be like watching the MTV. Remember the MTV all-star game whenever <laughs> they played that? And they had yeah, those... they played with the, the hoop was like 15 feet high and they were yeah. shooting from half court. I read, that was pretty funny. Those were, those were good times. Hey, you can find that past podcast about the 50 greatest current NBA players 
right now on Anchor FM or on the website fantasyimpacttoday.com. You can also find John's quarterbacks, his running back, his wide receiver rankings, all kind of lists. If you just in Google in John Fursella blog on Google and you'll find it out. What's the official little blog site? It's johnforsellasports.blogspot.com. Yeah, I, I, I'm much, I, I, John Frisella blog and boom, it's right there on Google. <laughs> That's easier for you, Wes. I know the internet is a struggle for you. <laughs> now we have another fantasy relevant position to cover today, John. Punters. We're going to cover punters today. Your favorite topic. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. Don't even say the position punter because I've had a real battle with Lachlan Edwards, who's been the punter for the Jets the last couple of years. The guy, if it's a, a blowout and we're getting killed, he punts the ball 56 yards. Uh, if we're in a tight spot and it's a field position game and we need a good punt, he punts it 11 yards and it goes immediately out of bounds. So don't even talk to me about punters, Wes. Okay, we'll skip punters then. Let's just move on to the tight, the tight end position because it's very important on your fantasy team. This year, it feels like whenever I look at the big spectrum of tight ends, it feels like I can wait till the end of the draft to actually draft those tight ends uh, in the later rounds. But let me see if my feelings hold true after we dissect your rankings a little bit. So for our discussion today, for the listeners, when we're comparing John's rankings to the ADP, we're using PPR scoring just so, just to get a reference point for everybody. Yeah. And John, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about your top five tight ends. Kelsey, Kittle, Ertz, Waller, and Mark Andrews. You have Waller taking this big step forward into the big boy tier. That's what I'm going to call this. This is the big boy tier. Tell, <laughs> t- tell me about these players. Yeah, I mean, Waller to start with, I, I really think he's fantastic. And I mean, talk about a find by GM Mayock there with the Raiders. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who was a backup tight end for the Ravens. He had substance abuse problems. Um, it was very difficult for him to remain focused on football and provide that effort on a daily basis and be there and be reliable for his teammates. Um, the Raiders took a shot on him and it worked out in a major way. The key for him and why he stands out out of this group is he is a physical specimen. He is long. He's athletic. He makes dynamic plays. He can do it in the red zone. He can do it in the middle of the field. He can be a possession tight end. He can get you first downs. So he has the all-around impact as a receiver, and he has the physical gifts. So he is a standout athlete, in my opinion, which is why I have him in that four spot. Um, The thing with Mark Andrews, right, he's a very popular player this year. I think most people have him in their top three, right? I don't. I have him in the five spot. The Two problems with him. One is he didn't even have 100 targets last year. So that means that on the targets that he did have, his efficiency was through the roof, and his production was through the roof, and that's very difficult to maintain and sustain. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's one issue. Number two is he was up there in drops. He was one of the leaders in drops amongst tight ends. So I, I still like him because the Ravens don't have a lot of options, but I feel much safer in redraft having him in the five spot than having him in the top three, because you might have some volume issues and you might have some drop issues. So that's the guys in the four and the five spot. And then, you know, obviously up top, Kelsey and Kittle, everybody has those guys, either one or two. And I like Ertz in the three spot. He was still way up there in targets last year. He was number two and tight end targets, and he's a productive guy. And like we've talked about in the past, yes, the Eagles got Regor this year, a first-round pick at wide receiver, but they don't seem to focus on the wide receivers in the passing game. They seem to divert their attention to the tight ends. So I still like Ertz in that three-hole. Yeah, it's kind of crazy whenever you see Ertz and Godair in the same, I don't know, conversation of being drafted for tight ends because you don't ever see two tight ends really getting drafted from the same team. And it's almost like you want to handcuff Ertz with Godair if you're an Ertz owner. 
Yeah, yeah, you certainly can do that if you get. I mean, Goddard, he goes on his own at a pretty relatively reasonable price. Um, he's in the midway at the tight end position. So if you can do it later on, it's something to consider. If you, you know, I don't like to carry two tight ends too often. Depends obviously on the format of the league. But if you have an extra space and you have a deep bench, which a lot of leagues are going to have this year, right? That's a reminder for COVID and coronavirus. There will be deep benches and there'll be extra injured reserve spots for COVID. So with that being said, you might want to go with the, both of these tight ends because if something does happen to Ertz, you know Goddard's going to be in the top seven or eight guys because he was able to produce even when Ertz was on the field. So something to consider. Yeah, you say Goddard. It, it always looks like Godard to me. Maybe I think that he's French. I think that I have uh, some French in me. And so whenever I see a name like that spelled that way, Godard. That's yeah. <laughs> Godard, yeah, probably because we did the NBA podcast last week and we, and we had Rudy Gobert in the mix. So I think you have that on your brain, but it's a little bit different in this case. Well, I took three years of French in high school, John. I, I only made it through two, though. I, only, <laughs> I had to take one of them twice, so I, maybe I, I'm wrong. I consider that an accomplishment that you made it through two. <laughs> I appreciate that. All right. So now here's the first eye-opener of the day for me. In your rankings, compared to where people are drafting this guy, Austin Hooper has switched teams and is going to an offense that is not nearly as lethal as the Falcons' offense is. You have him ranked sixth in your tight end rankings, finishing the season with 81 targets, 65 receptions for 642 yards and five touchdowns. The general public is drafting him as the 11th tight end off the board. Not you. You, you got him ranked number six. What do you see in Hooper that the public just does not? Yeah, you know, that's a really interesting spot, Wes, is the number six spot, right? I think it's pretty yeah. clear. I think most of us agree on the top five. You may change the order, but that six spot is wide open. Um, as of right now, I have Hooper in that spot, but it's very tenuous. It, it's very flexible. And the reason why I have him there right now is because we've never seen Jarvis Landry even pop up on injured reports, right? He was on the pup list uh, a couple of weeks ago. He was activated this week. Um, I just want to keep an eye on Jarvis Landry. I think there's a possibility that since he's finally popped up on an injury mix, that he it could come back this year and it could be an issue for him that he's going to miss some games. I feel like he's due. You know, how many times can you play 16 games in a row or play 15 games at the NFL level? So I feel like he's due to go down and maybe miss three, four or five games. So with that being said, that means uh, Odell Beckham, obviously, is the number one option for the Browns. But that would make Cooper the number two option. Um, and I think Mayfield, as he looks to bounce back this year from a poor season, he might want to turn his attention to Hooper in the red zone because Hooper had a lot of success with Matt Ryan in the red zone. So uh, it's, it's an open spot. Obviously, you have Higby. I'm sure we're going to talk about some of these other guys. Higby, Hunter Henry, Ingram. Um, I think those guys are right there in the mix for the sixth spot. But I, I'm going with Hooper right now. I just feel like he's got a little bit of upside. And I also feel like people are down on him, which is a reason why I like him. Uh, let's be honest here, John. You're counting on my Ryan Tannehill pick of Case Keenum coming in and having a huge connection with Austin Hooper like he did with Kyle Rudolph back in Minnesota. <laughs> I know we both like Keenum. I feel like this is like the Keenum fan club. Uh, you know, I, I don't see Mayfield getting rested or benched this year unless it's a serious injury or he's really that bad that it's like four interceptions and one touchdown per game. Um, I don't see that happening. But if, if Keenum does get his chance, I'm sure he'll have a nice connection with Hooper because Keenum knows how to feed those tight ends. I, I, I agree with you. Okay, John, this next person. I almost want to say you ranked him this high just to get attention. You have him finishing the season with 96 targets. That's like in that elite level. That's just right under Waller. That, that, 
only 59 receptions, though, which is probably because his catch percentage was only 59% in 2019. Not that good for a tight end, really. And for a total of 637 yards and six touchdowns, his average draft position is the 16th tight end off the board, 122nd overall. Please pass me some of this Mike Gusecki Kool-Aid that you are drinking. You have him ranked at number 10? <laughs> yeah, you know, I just recently moved him up to number 10. I think I had him more in the 12 or the 13 range, so I was ahead of ADP to begin with in this case. Um, here's one of the main reasons. You got two wide receivers, not that they're elite players, but they were in the mix for the Dolphins that opted out of the season uh, for COVID concerns, and that's Albert Wilson, who's a pretty solid number three receiver at the NFL level, and Alan Hearns, who we talked about on the past podcast, who used to be that wide receiver buddy of Allen Robinson with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So both of those guys opted out. Now we know at the wide receiver position for the Dolphins, we're talking about Devontae Parker at the number one spot and Preston Williams at the number two spot. But there's a lot of targets to go around when you take away these other guys. And Gasicki showed a lot last year. He showed a lot of potential. He already started to produce and put some things together. Um, so yeah, I like him as that number three receiving option for the Dolphins. And remember, if it is Ryan Fitzpatrick, we know he's a gunslinger and we know he's already established some chemistry with this trio of guys with Parker, with Williams and with Gasicki. So it's really the situation that a couple of the Dolphins opted out and Gasicki's in a good spot to get a lot of targets. I think one of our friends on the Fantasy Impact Today Network, Andrew Cooper, is really high on Gasicki as well. So I think that, uh, you know, you're in good company there. Yeah. I mean, if Coop likes him, then uh, that's a good sign. And I wonder if he has him as high as number 10, but maybe we can ask him on a future show. Well, let me remind the listeners that they're listening to the Fantasy Impact Today Network. And I would like to encourage you to visit the Fantasy Impact Today website where you can find all the past podcasts. The website is fantasyimpacttoday.com. And also, let me thank you for the support that you have shown for this podcast. And for those of you who have not yet nudged those stars on iTunes, I was saying slap the stars, John, but uh, the, the the stars got in touch with me and told me that they didn't, they didn't like being slapped. So, <laughs> that was not politically correct. So you had to take that out of the list. So if you could just nudge those stars on iTunes, on the iTunes app or leave a review, please do so. Those actions by you are important in helping this Fantasy Impact Today movement grow as, there, as we try to make, take some positivity into the world that we are living in. And, John, there was also another way that people could get in touch with us on the Anchor FM app. Yes, that's true. So if you go to Anchor FM and you put in Fantasy Impact Today – uh, and you check out our podcast. If you want to submit a question to us prior to the show or during the week or any time, really, we can always go back to it. You can click on the option that says submit your question or get in contact with us. It's very obvious. It's right there on the page. Click that and you you can record a voicemail with your exact question and you can leave your Twitter handle and we'll shout you out if we like the question uh, and we're happy to answer anything. And obviously we're focusing on fantasy football, but if you want to talk NBA, you want to talk MLB, throw it at us and we'll put it up on the air. Speaking of shout outs, I know you're a numbers driven guy, John. You always say, hey, how's the, how's the show do? How's the show do? That kind of, we, we just to inform you, 1% of our listening audience is from Lithuania. So I, I would like to give a big shout out to all our dedicated listeners from Lithuania right now. Yeah. I mean, you know, that doesn't surprise me if we're talking about the NBA episode because basketball is very popular in Lithuania and a lot of good professionals have come from there over the years. So that doesn't surprise me. Maybe if we do a more NBA, we'll get that number up to 10%. Hey, hey do you have any other positive vibes that we want to send out this week? Yeah, yeah. I want to I run through them quick. Obviously, we have a lot to cover with the tight ends if we're going to do it all on one show. 
Um, but we're talking about Twitter getters. We're talking about Fantasy Fam hashtag on both right here. I want to shout out Travis Kent, who's been a really nice guy since I've been really active in the fantasy community. He's at Laptop Lombardi. We have Paulie at Paulie Sleepers. Commissioner Breeze, a very popular guy on fantasy Twitter, at McBreeze11. Tom Bombadil, super friendly, one of the nicest guys out there, at Bombadil Fantasy. Jay Mickey at JMickey701. BZB at BZBFF. Jay Arst, a really, really friendly guy. I mean, these are guys that they know the game, but they also have that community vibe. And Jay's at Jay Arst, that's A-R-S-H-T-F-F. Uh, that's his Twitter handle. And I want to do two up from the outside. Two, two people of mine from my past that are doing extremely well in the world, and I want to shout them out. They really deserve it. Right. One is Aaron Torres, who I went to UConn with, one of my best friends. He's blowing up on Fox Sports. He's got like 25,000 followers on Twitter. If you're not following him, I don't know what you're doing. It's Aaron underscore Torres. So absolutely shout to AT. That's what he goes by. And then an, a quick one outside of our realm to Eugene Kotlarenko, who I went to high school with. His movie is blowing up right now. Uh, on demand. It's called Spree, right? And he's at huge, huge, huge. That's E-U-G, E-U-G, E-U-G. His movie's going huge. It's got some of the guys from Stranger Things in it. Um, it's very popular. And I, I was shocked to see it going on. I recognized his name right away. We went to high school together. So shout out to Eugene and A-T and wishing them all the best. Oh, that's, that's awesome. I, I know that. Maybe Maybe we could get a movie made about us. We'll have to talk to him about that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if our lives are interesting or not. I mean, look what we're doing on a Saturday afternoon, Wes. Well, maybe maybe you're right, but I'll tell you what. You put a camera inside of a bread truck, and I'll take you for a ride, my friend. You will <laughs> never be the same. You will never be the same. Uh, I'd like to see that reality show on the road hey, with Wes. <laughs> there was a Twitter getter I saw this week, and it was a great question. I think that a lot of people are really interested in. I don't know if we can ever find the right answer for it. This guy, uh, his name is VSL. It's at Vivette. Shack League. That's how you can find it. We're gonna post all these things. We're gonna we're gonna include all these uh, names and all these Twitter handles in our in our podcast whenever it gets released on Twitter. He asked this question: There seem to be five million fantasy football experts on Twitter. How do I sort the real deals from the fake news folks? That's a great question. How do you do that, John? Yeah, I mean, you could always look at the splits, right? If you if you look like. If you're following the same amount or way more than are following you, obviously that's a volume thing, right? It's just pure mathematics. Like if you're following 3,000, you got 1,500 followers, you probably have 1,500 followers because you're following 3,000. If you are somebody who's got 10,000 followers and you're, you're following only 500, that says that you're probably an expert in the field. And Twitter refers to that as fans. They call that when someone follows you and you don't follow them, that's a fan of yours. So if you see somebody with a lot of fans in the fantasy football community, um, that may show you that they actually are considered an expert in the field. That being said, I say follow everybody back and try to get that community spirit and keep everybody upbeat because this is still a difficult time in our history. So we want to share the love in this community. Yeah, and a fellow named Mike at Dynasty Trade FF, he said it's about having discussion with you while seeking to understand your perspective and building knowledge based off of that. I could care less if you have one or one million followers. I just want to engage in a positive discussion that allows me to better the content I provide for you. Yeah. So I, I thought that was perfect answer. That's a really good answer. Beautiful answer. That, that's spot on. I couldn't say it any better. All right. So back to tight ends here. This guy's my favorite tight end in the draft. 
which is a warning to all the listeners out there because my longtime friend league will tell you that the tight end is a position for me where players always end up getting hurt. I'll go through 10 tight ends in a season because they always get hurt or play terrible when they're on my roster. The most success I have ever had with a tight end is Jalen Samuels. <laughs> yeah. The running back? Yeah, well, and that's the year Connor was injured, and Samuels, and Samuels played in the fantasy playoffs, and the only reason he was successful on my roster is because he was RB eligible, I think. That's, right. that's that was, <laughs> Therefore, I apologize in advance to this next person because I have shares of him everywhere. I think he'll end up higher than the 14th rank that you have and will crush the 54 targets and 44 receptions for about 500 yards that you have him projected at. And maybe he can break the curse on my team. John, tell me more about this Blake Jarwin character. Yeah, I have Blake Jarwin jumping up the rankings. As you saw this week on Twitter, I actually moved him up from my 25th ranked tight end, which in that spot to begin with, you're talking about guys where you're really splitting hairs. I mean, from, say, 18 to 25, you can mix and match them any which way. So I rocketed Blake Jarwin up to the 14th spot this week because a lot of people have convinced me, you know, Witten took looks away. And actually, if you go back and look at the final standings last year at the tight end position, Witten actually did much better than you think. I believe he was 11th or 12th, which is a surprise for a guy who was over the hill, we thought. So that being said, he's out of the way, and it's all for Blake Jarwin now at the tight end position for the Cowboys. Obviously, we have to consider the good things, which are this is an offense that can throw for 5,000 yards. They threw for about 48-15 or 48-50 last year, something like that. Um, So they can go up to 5,000 yards. They have three receivers who are going to take defensive defensive attention away from the tight end slot. So that helps you. Um, you're not going to get too many double teams, if any at all. And if you watch the tape, Jarwin's very athletic and very strong, and he looks like a really hard worker, a kid who really wants to take a step up a level. So if you add that all together, um, and again, 14, if, you, if you're getting him at the tight end 14, you're not spending a lot there. You're getting him at a reasonable spot in the draft. So it's a good spot for him to get some upside um, and certainly something you might want to invest in. Well, there was 83 targets, I believe, that Jason Witten had last season. And so to me, whenever I see that, even with a new offensive mind like Mike McCarthy coming into us in an area, and, and actually I think they still have the same offensive coordinator, if I'm not mistaken, that's kind of just where Dak Prescott's eyes may go, you know, at, at some point. He just may be looking for that tight end position. And so that's why I do like Blake Jarwin. But one of my concerns, though, is that Mike McCarthy, his last five years in Green Bay, his top performers from that tight end position caught a total, a total, John, in five years of 14 touchdowns. Eight of those were in 2015 by Richard Rodgers. So yeah. in the other four years, there was only six touchdowns caught by his tight ends. That, that kind of concerns me. Yeah, I, that's a tough uh, question if you really think about it, because what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Is mm-hmm. that McCarthy? Is that the structure of his offense? For sure, that has something to do with it. Right. Or is it Aaron Rodgers who likes to throw to the outside on very low risk throws? Right. If you think about the history of Rodgers' career, he is the highest rated quarterback of all time. If you look at passer rating in the history of the NFL. And what does that tell you? He doesn't turn the ball over. If you don't want to turn the ball over at the at the quarterback position, you want to be making outside throws that are away from double coverage, which is why he likes to throw to Devontae Adams on the outside. And he used to like to throw those back shoulder fades to Jordy Nelson as well. Right. So if you consider that it could be Rogers or it could be the coach. So that's a good question to raise, Wes. We'll have to see how it shakes out. But Prescott, we know in his career, he likes Witten and he was able to feed the ball to Jarwin even last year a little bit. So hopefully Prescott will override any type of system issues. 
for all the Jaseckis and the Jarwins of the world to move up in the rankings, someone has to fall. This guy switched teams and is now the starter on a team whose quarterback could throw for over 4,000 yards, maybe reach 5,000. Who knows? He's being drafted as the 13th tight end off the board, but you have him in your rankings at number 17. Tell me why you're so low on Hayden Hurst. Yeah, I mean, Hayden Hurst, my problem with him is we don't know about him as a number one tight end at this level. We know about him as a number two who received very little defensive attention, right? And that's it's an unknown factor when you have other guys in the area with him that are a little bit safer, just a little bit safer. Also, I don't like where he's being taken, right? He did drop. He was being taken at the 11th spot, and he dropped to 13 because I think everybody realized it was getting a little bit out of control. I mean, this is a guy that you're going in pretty blind with. Um, you know that Austin Hooper is not there anymore, but you also know that Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley are going to dominate the target share for the Atlanta Falcons. You already know that going into the season, and you also know Russell Gage was getting some attention down the stretch from Matt Ryan. So if anything, it's going to be a share for Hurst in terms of looks. So I think 17 is that safe spot. Um, again, so let's talk about general strategy, right? Every All of you coaches and fantasy owners out there, if you're buying guys at their highest point and their hype point at the highest point, you're doing everything wrong. It's bad business. It's backwards business. It doesn't matter if it's fantasy football, if you're investing in stocks or you're a business owner, right? You don't, you don't buy things at their high point. So now that he's coming down toward 13, who knows, maybe if he gets more negative attention, he may drop to 15 or 16, and then you're getting him at the right price point. So just keep an eye on where he's going, and then you can take him based on that. Yeah, I'm not big on tight ends who change scenery. Uh, I think that that's a rapport thing. I think tight end and quarterback kind of a rapport thing, and almost like a safety valve for a quarterback. And it took a long time for Austin Hooper I don't want to say to develop that trust. Yeah, I was always waiting for Austin Hooper to come into play for uh, being that prolific tight end like he was in Atlanta for the last couple of years. But man, I had to wait for a little while to do it. So I always wait. I always like those tight ends who who stay in the same place. Yeah, I mean, well, we already know that at the top, right? If you look at Travis Kelsey, yeah. it doesn't even matter who the quarterback is for the Chiefs. That's his familiar familiarity with the Chiefs system and Andy mm-hmm. Reid system and Eric Bieniemy. He, he's been able to do it with everybody. He did it with Alex Smith. Obviously, he's doing it with Mahomes. He even did it with Matt Moore when he was filling in for Mahomes when he missed a couple of games. So that shows you that uh, system comfortableness that they have, and that allows them to continue the production week over week and year over year. A guy like Hurst, he's going to have to get his feet wet. He's going to have to understand the ins and outs of the system. Uh, you'd rather take other guys. I mean, there's guys right there, right in his area, right? Jarwin's already coming from the Cowboys. It's a new coach, but he already knows his quarterback. Jared Cook's in that area. He already knows Drew Brees and Sean Payton, right? TJ Hawkinson's mm-hmm. around in that area. He's only known the Lions. He's new to the league, but he's got a lot of upside. And Jonu Smith, who's everybody's favorite name, he's already been with the Titans. This is his fourth year with the Titans. So there's some guys that are more familiar with, with their situations. Um, so you can maybe go with those guys just a little bit ahead of Hayden Hurst. Oh, man, John. I hear the squawking again this year. You know, click, 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 click just like I heard last season, and I thought I got a steal in drafts last year. I put this next player right into my IR spot after the draft was over, and I was just giggling. I was giggling as I did it. Every week, I would keep going back to the hen house, looking in the nest for eggs, but I never saw anything every single week. I waited for him to come off the IR, and he was supposed to. Then he'd have to wait another week, and then one week turned into three weeks. I heard a lot of clucking from the chicken coop last season and in the fantasy community, but I just never saw an egg. 
Why is this year going to be any different for Chris Herndon fans? Oh, <laughs> uh, man, what is a hen house? You know, I'm from New York. I don't know what – it's like a different <laughs> language. I, I don't know, even know what we're talking about. Um, yeah, but no, obviously, you know, I'm a Jets fan, so I know a lot about Chris Herndon. Um, I can give you the ups and the downs, right? The positive is when he was healthy and when he was not being an off-the-field distraction, Sam Darnold took an immediate liking to him early on in his career. Um, and Herndon's an athletic guy. He's long. He finds a way to get loose over the top, right? That's not really what you think about when you think about tight ends. You don't think about downfield ability. You think about first downs. You think about red zone. Um, Herndon can be like a wide receiver in the way that he goes downfield. So that's the plus with him is he already has a rapport with Arnold, and he has a lot of natural talent. The negative is obviously he was injured for most of the season last year. And not only that, when he is healthy, he's been suspended multiple times. Uh, we never know what he's doing off the field. You never know what kind of trouble he's going to get into. Um, and there's a guy with the Jets. Now, right now he's out. He's sidelined. Um, but last year he showed a lot. That was Ryan Griffin. And he's like the polar opposite of Chris Herndon at the same position on the same team. Herndon is that athletic guy who's a wild card. And Ryan Griffin is that guy who's not very athletic, but he does everything right from a technical standpoint as a football player. So you have those two polar opposites there. Um, right now, the fact that Griffin's out, that helps me a lot when it comes to drafting Herndon. Um, and again, this is a little bit later on in the draft, so you, you're really just drafting on upside. So not that much can go wrong if it doesn't work out for you. You're just going to go to one of those other guys in the area that's available. You may go to the free agent list after the first week and you have O.J. Howard around or an Ian Thomas from the Panthers or Jimmy Graham if it works out for him in Chicago. So there are other ways to go if it doesn't work out for you. Yeah, I think Ryan Griffin even had five touchdowns with the Jets last year. They they had to score a touchdown at some point, so they might as well pick on Ryan Griffin a couple of times. But whenever you have that, whenever you're that guy for your quarterback, your quarterback starts to develop that trust in you. And that is one of my concerns about getting Chris Herndon, besides the fact that I got burned by him so bad the last couple of years, it feels like, uh, is that he just may have eyes for Ryan Griffin. So I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah, well, I, I got to say one thing. The Jets scored a touchdown last year. I, I don't remember that. I just remember crying most of the season. <laughs> Offensively, it was a freaking nightmare. Being a Bears fan, I can understand your pains. All right, John, you like to list everything. I'm going to throw uh, one at you here. Maybe you didn't even have time to think about this. I don't even know if we talked about this beforehand. Can you please tell me your top five sitcom sitcom characters of all time? Do you have a top five <laughs> or who your favorite ones are? You got to have some because you're you're a big uh, entertainment person as well. So do you have who's your favorite sitcom characters? I mean, you know, that one's coming out of left field, but I like it. It's it's good to to keep us loose over here and the, and give the listeners something else. Um, yeah, I could, I mean, that's easy for me to think of right off the top of my head. First of all, I could fire off the, the sitcoms that I like, right? That's Seinfeld and Friends in terms of the classics. Then you got It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, How I Met Your Mother, and uh, I also like New Girl. That was a good show as well. Kind of a mix of shows that are like pure funny and then some that have like a romance element to it um, and a lot, of, a lot of funny guys in funny situations. So, But as far as characters, uh, Seinfeld, I got to pick George Costanza, right? Okay. The guy's a, a legend. Uh <laughs> I mean, he's just uh, what he says is really out of left field all the time, and he's just unbelievable. So, gotta go, George Costanza there. Um, on Friends, that's that's a close one, but I think everybody likes Joey Tribbiani. Um, so he's he's a popular guy. Always Sunny in Philadelphia, gotta go with Charlie Day. He the guy is just he's a comedic genius. Um, that's a good one. So that's three right there. How I Met Your Mother, the famous character is Barney Stinson, uh, played by Neil Patrick Harris. So that's four. And then on actually on New Girl, I like Schmidt. 
Uh, he was a funny guy. So, you know, just thinking of those five shows and one person from each one. Um, and in terms of the female characters, obviously I like Elaine from Seinfeld. Uh, you like Rachel, Jennifer Aniston on Friends. Um, and I like Zoe Deschanel on, on New Girl. So there's a lot of good mix of the, the male and the female characters. See, you mentioned Costanza. You mentioned George Costanza off Seinfeld. And I was always a Kramer guy. So maybe that's our personality, just being that different, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Kramer was hilarious. I mean, Kramer's more physical comedy, right? Not so much in what he's saying. A lot of open the door, fall down, and, and doing a lot of funny stuff. So I appreciate Kramer, just a different style. But George, it was just his quotes, right? Uh, at, w- at one point, he goes, did you ever get down on your knees and thank God that you have access to my dementia? So it's, uh, he's just really outlandish and, and uh, pretty pretty cocky for a bald guy with no job and no uh, romantic interest. That's true. Oh, one of my favorite characters of all time was Barney Fife. He's got to be one of the greatest characters of all time. Don Knotts earned three Emmys in the first in the first five years that he was a regular on the show. Five Emmys on the show altogether. All right. And one of the most famous episodes is where Barney is handing out tickets to everybody and just arresting people or handing out tickets for jaywalking and stuff like that because he wants to enforce the law. He's got to keep the law, got to keep it straight, Andy. And and Goober catches Barney doing something illegal. I think he made a U-turn in the road illegal. And he starts yelling out, citizens arrest, citizens arrest. And I feel like that's what I need to do. I need to stand up for everybody in draft rooms and start crying out to you, citizens arrest. Because Rob Gronkowski has come out of retirement to reunite with his buddy Tom Brady, and the public loves him. I can tell this because he's being drafted as the ninth tight end off the board, but you have him ranked down here as the number 19th tight end. And only have him catching three touchdowns? Come on, John. I'm going to have to insist, just like Gomer did with Barney, that you write yourself a ticket on this one, buddy. Pretty impressive there, Wes. I don't know. You might have to do some voice acting. I mean, I don't know if they're going to do a Toy Story 5, but they might have a spot for you if they do that. Uh, (laughs) But but, but Gronk, let me me tell you with Gronk, what the thing is with him. His name is too big, right? That's always a problem. When a a player's name is too big in fantasy circles and everyone's drafting off a name value, they're overdrafting him for where he should be going. Now, do I think – let me say some good things. Do I think he's going to come back and be in great shape? Absolutely. He's a hardworking guy. He's a professional. I'm not worried about that at all. Is he going to be able to pick up a new offense with Bruce Arians and Tom Brady? Absolutely no question about it. Is he going to play hard in other aspects of the game, not just in fantasy? Yes, he is. But here's the key above everything else. Most of the time when I do my projections, I'm projecting guys on a 16-game schedule because most guys are not going to be hurt all the time and most guys are not going to be resting all the time. But that's not going to be the case for the Bucks because the Bucks are going to be a team that's going to be in contention. And with that being said, they're not going to play Gronkowski all 16 games. If he has a minor injury, anything at all, he's going to sit because they have O.J. Howard and they got Godwin and they got Evans and they got Brady and they got Arians and they got four or five running backs that they're using now. They got a lot of guys in the mix. So they're not going to lean on him and say, oh, you have a minor injury. You have to play today. It's going to be the opposite. It's going to be like, oh, you broke a fingernail. You're going to sit out today. So you got to keep that in mind. The games played are very risky with Gronk, and the draft position is too high based on his name value. I can hear your argument, but you have him for 74 targets, only 48 receptions, and only three touchdowns. I, I don't think Gronk came out of retirement to play a couple more years with Brady 
to only catch three touchdowns. I just can't see that happening. And I know his last year's in New England, he didn't catch that many touchdowns. But man, I think he saw the touchdown celebrations last season and the way the NFL allowed those things to happen. And and we all know Gronk's kind of a wild guy, and you know he's got the WWE in him now and stuff like that. <laughs> I, I I can't wait to see him with touchdown celebrations in the six or seven seven range. That's that's what I'm expecting out of Gronk this year. That sounds like a conspiracy theory. It sounds like the reason he's coming back is just to work on his celebrations and put on a show for us, which wouldn't surprise me because he spent all the last season on TV, right? He was a host on like three, four yeah. different shows, and he likes being in front of the camera. So maybe he's back just to celebrate. That's my theory. I'm sticking to it. All right, John, a couple more questions. Longtime friend of the show, David Bowie, said that he wrote a song called Changes. You know that song, Ch-Ch-Ch-Changes. You know that one? (laughs) Yes, I do. All about the New England Patriots 2020 season. That's what he said he wrote it for, was the New England Patriots 2020 season. We all know that they made being a tight end cool again. Who in the world is the tight end to own in New England this season? Yeah, you know, it's a really good question. It's a really important question because when you hear a name like Matt Lacoste, you're not Mm -hmm. thinking too much in fantasy. But this is a guy who, in terms of knowing the system and being there already with Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels, was a guy who's valuable to the team, not in fantasy purposes. And that being said, he opted out of the season, right? So now you've moved the guy out of the way who knows the system and is that veteran presence out of the guys that are there. You take him out of the picture. Now yeah. you look at the two rookies that were drafted, right? You have Devin Asiasi, who went in the third round, 91st pick overall. And you got Dalton Keene, who also went in the third round, 101 overall, very close to each other in the draft. And, of course, what do you think about right away? There's no way you can see this draft by the Patriots and not think about the fact that they did the same thing with Gronk and Aaron Hernandez, right? So you have those two guys that they're bringing in. Obviously, those are relatively high picks. They see a lot in those guys. I'm going to go with the order that they drafted them. I'm going to assume that because our CSC went first out of those two guys, that he's going to be the guy to own if you're going to pick from those Patriots tight ends, and they're going to try to capitalize on some upside from a young player at the tight end position. Yeah, I don't know. I think that Muhammad Sanu is going to end up being the tight end there in New England. Personally, that's, that's just well, I don't I don't know I don't know what they're going to do. Who knows with Bill Belichick, man? Yeah, I mean Sanu. I think uh, it's depending on who the quarterback is. I think Cam Newton will like him uh, yeah. if he gets the job. And actually, it was interesting. Uh, the first comments were made by Belichick about Cam Newton yesterday, and his comment was, uh, "He's a hardworking kid." <laughs> He referred to Cam Newton as a kid. He's one of the oldest quarterbacks in the league. It's it taking a physical beating and a guy who's been around the block. He said he's a hardworking kid. Like, it was brand new to the league. So, typical Belichick comment. That got a chuckle out of me. He's a funny guy. I, he's a really funny guy. Hey, quick hitters. You have Irv Smith at number 20. Kyle Rudolph passing the torch in Minnesota? Yes. Yeah, quick hitter there. Irv Smith is definitely the guy to own in both formats, in redraft and in dynasty. Uh, He's fast down the field. He's got some upside. Rudolph is like what I said about Lacoste. He's more of a guy who's better for the football team in terms of real football, um, not for fantasy purposes. So yeah, quick hitter there. We're going with Irv Smith in both formats. Dawson Knox, you have him ranked down number 30. He's not someone you particularly want to own? No, I think I would like him more if they didn't have Stephon Diggs on the team this year. I mean, last year he had more opportunities to get looks. Um, maybe he'll come along and he'll develop technically uh, as a sophomore in the NFL. Maybe he'll he'll pick up some more skills. 
Um, but I'm just worried that because they don't throw, pass the ball a lot as it is, and people are worried about Josh Allen's accuracy, and you have Diggs and you have John Brown, you have Cole Beasley, I don't know how much action Dawson Knox is really going to get. And the tight ends in the te- in the for the Houston Texans, they're just going to cancel out each other. Yeah, it looks that. Way. I mean, it's uh, talk about a headache, right? Yeah. You got Jordan Akins, you got Darren Fells, you got Kahale Waring. Um, there's somebody else too, Jordan Thomas, I think, or somebody like that. I mean, they got f- literally four guys that are basically the same player, just at different ages. They're all big. They all have some some skills. They all can score a touchdown here or there. Um, as of right now. I'm going to go with Aikens as my top guy there just because he has the most upside of the group in terms of all-around skill set. But, I mean, you're shooting fish in a barrel. Who the heck knows how it's going to shake out? Um, You're talking about a last-round pick or you're talking about a free agent any way you look at it here. Do you think that C.J. Uzama with Cincinnati is going to have any fantasy relevancy this year? No, none at all for me because you got four wide receivers you have to consider first on that team. Um, Obviously, you got A.J. Green. Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and John Ross. So you look at those four guys across, plus Mixon catches some balls and Giovanni Bernard catches some balls. So And Ozama is a blocker, a good blocker. So I, I don't see a lot of fantasy value there. Yeah, you know, that's also another place that I just kind of target is if they have a rookie quarterback uh, and wants to get the ball out of his hands quick, those kind of things. So you'll be looking at the tight end position. I was just trying to think of the Bengals. I was trying to think of other rookie quarterbacks, and really Cincinnati's the one that jumps out at me, and I was going, who's the, who might be the tight end to own there? So. Yeah, I mean, one other one to consider would be if the Dolphins end up playing Tua. Obviously, I think that has an adverse effect on Gesicki. So there's a, a possible rookie and tight end combination. And another one is Justin Herbert, um, who I think actually would be a positive for Hunter Henry. I think that would work out for him. Um, so it depends on who ends up being the quarterbacks long term, but that's a couple of rookies to keep an eye on at the quarterback position. Woo, John, that was wonderful. I, I I haven't been that excited to talk about tight ends in a long time, so that was that was fantastic. That was a fun show. I appreciate you, buddy. Yeah, that was a great show, Wes. I really was. I appreciate your uh, bringing a lot of comedy today. I'm gonna make some phone calls to my uh, connections in the industry. So you you might be off the show by next week because you're gonna be in Hollywood. Well, you know, sometimes when you're in high demand, now I'm starting to sound like Barney Fife sitting behind the <laughs> microphone. Hey, thank you for listening uh, here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. That was John Priscilla that you were listening to. And you can reach him at Sports 7 on Twitter. And you can also just Google to find out all his lists. You can Google John Priscilla blog and you can find it right there. want to encourage you to look for me on Twitter, Wes Easley, at Loafinit on Twitter. You can find all the past podcasts and articles at the website, fantasyimpacttoday.com. Or you can even go to Anchor FM and look for it there. And John, like you said, we want to take questions from people so they can leave a voice message on there by just clicking on the microphone. Yep, absolutely. Click on the the option to leave a message. Uh, leave us leave a message with your question, and we will certainly try to get that on the air, especially if it's one that's going to stir up some controversy or a big conversation. That would be good. And hey, Fit Fam, I need you to do me a favor. Please gently nudge those stars, all five of the stars. Subscribe to the show on the iTunes app, and we would love to hear from you. So leave that comment, leave that review, hit that little microphone at, at the Anchor FM website. But more important than all those actions, the fit crew here at Fantasy Impact Today would like to encourage you to go out into the world and find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today. 